Thank you so much for listening to the audio version of our podcast. If you prefer an extended cut version with extra content, there's a link to our YouTube page on our website at letgoddie.com or you can follow us on Facebook. Also on our website, we have a support tab. If you'd like to contribute to what we're doing and help us continue sharing the stories of God at work, you'll find a link to our Patreon page where you can pledge as low as $1 a month and help us continue putting out episodes of the podcast. Most of our episodes do contain some content and language not suitable for children. Thank you for your time and on to the show. Welcome to Let God Die, the weekly podcast sharing stories of God transforming lives through changing perceptions of who He is and what it means to follow Him. We believe that commonly those who reject God haven't experienced the truth of who He is, and that those who follow God often have false expectations or understandings. Together, we can take those perceptions of God and let them die, so God can live. This is the Let God Die podcast. This is Josh. This is Calvin. And today's guest is Janelle Marie. I met Janelle through, through, through shows somehow or another. I don't know when that was. And Calvin, is it the same for you? Yep. Through the show. I actually met Janelle the first time at, I believe it was J-Fest at least three years ago um, with uh, Dan Thompson, Mr. My Heart, My Anchor. He introduced us, and like at the time, I thought you guys were dating. <laughs> I was like, oh, she's was really cool, really nice. And he introduced us. I was like, oh, dude, she's great. Then I found out you did poetry, and I'm like, holy crap. So, yeah. Uh, that's about, funny. About that long ago. People uh, either think we're siblings or, or that, and um, yeah, no, just the uh, BFFs. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, for those listening who are not familiar with the term J-Fest, um, Flood City Fest is a festival that our friend Jay started, and we all call it J-Fest, um, and she kind of really hates it, um, but we, <laughs> we keep it keep it up, um, you know, just because we appreciate her as a person, and we want to, you know, she, she's a little too humble sometimes. I don't know if <laughs> too humble is a thing, um, but, you know. Anyway, uh, Janelle... Um, we featured you for Hollerin' Poets Season 3, which actually comes out today. Um, and on Hollerin' po- Poets, we focused on Janelle's most recent um, book of poetry slash album and uh, broke down the poems and the themes involved. Um, so essentially, that's like a like probably like a three-hour long um, you know, conversation in total um, that we have delving into Janelle's story. Um, this is not going to be a three hour long talk, um, but it'll be, you know, a condensed down version. But, uh, if you want to hop over to anchor.fm slash hollering poets, um, you can listen to Janelle's season. The first two episodes are posted today. And then for the following, let's see, 11 days, we'll post an episode each day. Anyway, all that aside, um, Janelle, uh, for people who have no idea who you are, who just heard Calvin say that you're a poet and, um, that we met you at shows. Who are you as a person? What do you do? Um, give us a little intro to your life. I am a poet. I'm getting more and more comfortable with saying that. Um, I am more and more coming into that and um, my, my passion for, for that. I write about hope more than anything. Um, I talk a lot about um, mental health awareness and fighting stigma, but um, I think always in talking about those, um, I like to focus on the hope and um, that lives in those struggles as well. I, um, I'm 27, I live in uh, Maryland, Southern Maryland. Um, 
So two hours below Baltimore and where all the Amish people live. <laughs> hey. I um, work at an elementary school and I'm a paraeducator in um, a special ed classroom. It's, uh, it's exactly where God wants me to be. And it's uh, one of the most important things um, in my life. I um, am, am happy to have uh, poetry in my life. And I'm happy that right now, that's not what God wants me to do as a career. Because <laughs> um, I think that's really, really rad, but also terrifying. So that means um, God will probably ask me to do that eventually, because <laughs> I just it's terrifying so dang um but uh yeah so i i love what i do and i'm i'm growing as a poet i'm um on my third book i um have self-published two books of poetry um made one album and i have eight poems towards something new so maybe maybe it won't be a book maybe it'll be another album we'll we'll see but uh yeah yeah that's me so um, I've heard your story pretty extensively um, from talking um, uh, on the other podcast. So um, I might defer to Calvin for a lot of questions. Because uh, I have today. not heard your story. All right. So Calvin, what do you want to know? Um, so am I asking Josh or am I asking Janelle? You're asking Janelle. <laughs> <laughs> you're asking Janelle through Josh? <laughs> no, you're asking Janelle. Yeah. So the few times that we actually did get a chance to like talk, which was specifically at Steak and Shake, one of the times that you and Dan rode through town. Steak and Shake. Um, we, re rest in peace, because it's no longer a thing anymore. What? But yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, Janelle, so like, I guess like from the beginning, like what, like how did you come to like meet Jesus? Or like, what's your story? Um, yeah, I am, I'm really blessed that, um, my mother has um, this beautiful relationship with God. She has um, this really inspiring faith. And so I grew up in the church. I grew up knowing God. My mom was uh, doing, um, uh, what's it called? The summer, um, like- Vacation Bible school? Camps, yes, uh, like VBS and, and all of that. And um, so it was just always a part of my life. I didn't really know anything else. And um, I, I never really, um, once again, I'm really blessed. I've never really had a crisis of faith in the sense of like um, questioning if God was real or not. Um, I, you know, like I said, I've known God in all my life, but um, when I, when I was nine, I, um, my father sexually abused me and I really just kind of from then struggled with like an anger towards God, like a resentment, um, so I, I always believed in him, but I believed that he had watched this horrible thing happen to me. And um, it was especially frustrating to me because my dad was a Christian and he had faith. And um, so I found it to be even more um, confusing and I felt even more abandoned by that. And I felt like we had both been abandoned in that. And um, so I just really struggled from, from that age on with having this like, anger because I didn't understand how God could be this like loving, all-knowing, you know, being, and then still let horrible things happen to good people. I, you know, around that age, like I definitely had a wake up call to the, the darkness in the world. I, before that had been really privileged and really um, lucky. I was homeschooled. I had a really small circle of friends and I had never really seen 
like real trauma happen to people. I had had a grandmother pass away, but she, um, my, my mother's mother had this like incredible, like infectious faith. And so as a really young child, I was maybe six, like I only ever heard of her passing away in the context of like, she's so happy to go home and be with God. So it was like, not this thing where I was like, why would God do that? I was like, that's really nice. So like, it didn't, it didn't strike me in that way. I had never faced those questions of like, why do good things happen or why do bad things happen to good people? Why, you know, is the world like this? Why doesn't God intervene? So it kind of, you know, rocked me being so young. I was only nine and like having those like existential questions on top of like, obviously the, the trauma that I was going through and, you know, my, my dad went to jail and it was like so much change in my life. And then so to like have that change of my relationship with God go from this very like childlike innocence and just kind of believing in God because like that's the way that my family is and that's what, you know, people do, you know, in my mind and in my life. And um, really kind of coming into question, like I said, not necessarily about if God was real or not, but like if his love was good or not. And mm. um it wasn't until I was, you know, I went back and forth with it. I did a lot of like crisis praying. I did a lot of like when things started to go wrong, I, I, you know, would beg God for forgiveness. And, and once again, it came back into that. I thought he was spiteful. So like little things would go wrong in life or, or big things. And I'd be like, God, I'm so sorry. Like, please like, don't punish me. Please like make this stuff happening. Like whatever it may be. And I really had that like mindset for so long until I was, I was 17, I want to say. I, I was 17 and I really kind of hit a rock bottom. And I talked about this in the podcast where I kind of reached this point where I was like, all right, like I, I have to try something new or I'm just, I'm done. Like I'm, I'm done. I'm out of options. Like I can't keep going like this. And so mm-hmm. I tried therapy for the first time. You know, that was like really important for me to like asked to go see a therapist and it be something that was like my idea and that I was willing to participate in. And then I um, started medication for the first time, which um, has made a huge difference in my life. And then um, I also just kind of like opened myself back up to the idea that like God did care for me and that like, even though it didn't make sense to me and like, I was really struggling with like understanding why the world is the way it is like i just i reached this point where i was like something's got to change like i i need a change so like one of the biggest things in my life is is like my anger when it comes to when it comes to god so like let me change it let me try something new and i just tried to um i just tried to to see my relationship with him like i would um a person like I tried to kind of humanize that and um as much as like it's it's funny to word it that way I tried to show God grace myself and I tried to be like patient and like all of these things that like I showed other people who like didn't make sense to me and I tried to um I tried to understand him even if I knew or would and I worked really hard to like come to this place of peace about like, all right, like, no, I never figured out the answer. Like, I don't have this like beautiful sentiment to share about like why children have cancer and why there's tsunamis. Like, but like, I just have peace that like God is still good even when bad things are happening. And um, 
And so I just really like, I just really found that um, between myself and God, I thought back of all the things that like my mother and all these other people in my life had like poured into me over the years that I had like rejected and I had like pushed away and silenced. And in that moment, when I, like I said, I kind of like opened my heart to that like idea and of just like kind of really like forgiving, you know, who I thought God was and forgiving and all of that. When I opened my heart back up to that, it was like all of a sudden, like all of that, like love people had poured into me for years, like came rushing back to me. And like it came and it like finally like sunk in and I finally like heard those things as truth and heard those things as like real and like they could really um, comfort me finally after mm. you know, all that time. Like I said, from I was like nine till I was 17, um, people tried. My mother prayed for me every night. And like it was just it really hit me when I, I softened my heart, you know, when I let God soften my heart. And, you know, I asked to like try again and um, to let him, I asked for him to help me get to know him. And um, like I said, I, uh, I felt all of not only like comfort and peace from him, but then also, like I said, uh, all those people who encouraged me over the years, like all of that, like really hit me. Um, so yeah, I, I think that um, ever since then, as I continue to struggle, I hold on to that, like, oh, I don't get it. I don't get it. But like, God gets it. Like, God has, like, a better understanding than me. He has a much greater understanding than me. And for me, uh, even when I think that they're stupid <laughs> and scary and that they don't uh, make sense to me in my, like, very, like, logical mindset. Like, I want to see all the pieces line up perfectly. I want to know where no, I know where God's like, that's not for you to know. Like, mm -hmm. I've got it. And um, just like continuing, it's like, yeah, it's a continuation. I've let go of that anger, but I'm still, you know, every day I'm still learning to like hold on to peace and to kind of like let go of my like controlling, uh, want to be, uh, want to know everything attitude and just kind of trust. Yeah, like learning to trust that the Lord is good when everything around you is trying to convince you otherwise can can be really, really discouraging. Mm -hmm. And like at the end of the day, like having faith will at times make you appear foolish because like you're you're trusting that the Lord knows exactly what he's doing, even if it doesn't seem like he does or even if it doesn't seem like things are working out the way that you would so plan them to be. And the cool part about that is like in his sovereignty, like. He doesn't miss anything, you know, and when we actually can lean into the fact that he has our best intention at heart and that he knows us better than we know ourselves, like we can actually like day by day begin to really just lean into believing more and more that like, yeah, things suck right now or like I don't have the answers for why life is so hard or like even Chris says in one of his poems, I think it's really cool to line is like other people's like doubts or the questions don't belong to me. Like yeah. we can really begin to trust and understand that like the things that the Lord is going to teach us, like he's going to reveal that stuff and his timing is always perfect with it. We're like, it may not come when we expected to, or when we feel like we need it the most, but like the clarity will hit exactly when it's meant to hit. And at that moment we can live from it instead of like, just know it. 
Yeah, absolutely. I And I think, yeah, like holding on to that, like knowledge that, yeah, exactly. Like the clarity will come when it, when it needs to be. And that like, you just have to have faith that like, yeah, it'll happen. And um, like, yeah, absolutely. I hold on to that. Um, yeah, whenever I feel like, like it's just taking so long for me to understand like why I'm going through whatever I'm going through. Um, and I just hold on to that just like, okay, every other time, like, it eventually got you where you needed to be. Like, you, yeah, eventually. Mm -hmm. Yeah, God will always get you there. Yeah, his process always works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like... Actually, um, I, like I said, I, I worked on, I worked on the anger and that was like a separate thing. But like when I was, I'm 27 now, so maybe it was three years ago. I'm horrible with time, but I... A couple of years ago, I was finally like officially diagnosed as bipolar and I have bipolar too. So like very old books, we'll call it soft bipolar. And um, so it's really just bipolar disorder, but like less severe. So like the mania is called hypomania and it's just like a less severe form. Like it's just overall like a kind of like diluted bipolar disorder, but it's still um, very much affects my life. And so I, a couple of years ago, I was I was finally diagnosed and I had really sought out that diagnosis like it'd been something that I had been avoiding and lying about and hiding from for a long time and then you know I reached this point where I was like I really need to do this and like God was telling me that like I really needed to like face that and accept that about myself and and get the right help and so I did and yet like the second I did it hit me like a bust that like I was angry again. I was I was mad again um in a mm. different way than before um, where I was mad, I guess I wasn't even mad that like God let that, you know, happen to me. He let my brain change in that way. Like whatever it may be, like, I wasn't even struggling with that. Um, as much as I was really kind of accepting that bipolar meant that like, I would always struggle with this. Like I would always face this kind of like, yeah, coming to terms with it being like a chronic illness. Mm -hmm. Um, even though I had been depressed or, um, more than half my life, I still somewhere like I didn't realize like deep inside me, I still waiting for that like that I would eventually reach a point of like feeling all the story of like um, this like final result of like I was you know I, I used to be depressed for years and years and now I'm not and I just like I guess like onto that still and then when I got this diagnosis of like no you're you're always gonna shift between these like you know states and like I just like I was waiting for that healing so like I was mm. I was I believe that God can heal I believe he can change anything I believe that he could just smooth out those spots in my brain and and um so I think that like is really reminiscent of that um that anger that I had and um that defeat that I had. Um, so just really facing the idea that like, what am I doing that like God's not, you know, like I said, if I believe that he can, like what am I doing that like he's not doing that for me? And like, is my life still worthy? Um, is it still important? Is it still valuable? Like if I never reach that, if my story is one always of progress and not like a final result. And that has been something that like for you know, all of my life that I thought about, like how much I was like waiting for things to get better so I could like share the story. 
and mm-hmm. then I did start writing the poetry. I did just start sharing the the in between. I started talking about how it was okay to not be okay, and about how it was okay if like um, if you found yourself back at rock bottom again and again, and about how um, important it is to keep going, and all of these things. So I, I talked a lot of talk, and I had learned so much about like self love and like accepting yourself and yeah, that my life was valuable, even though I was depressed and I was struggling and anxious and all of these things. And yet like, oh man, the second I got that diagnosis, it's, it's felt like I was back at square one with it. And I was like, man, like, oh no, this took me like 17 years the first time. Like, mm-hmm. and I, you know, and I, I wrote about it in an essay in um, my, my book. And I just talked about how, um, I'm working really hard to kind of regain that and to keep going with that. And um, I talk about it a lot in the new poems that I'm writing about like worthiness and like, do I still deserve joy like in my sadness? And like, do I still um, like, am I worthy of being healed? Am I worthy of all of these things? And um, can my life still matter? Like if God doesn't choose that for me, if Mm. that's not a part of his plan. And that's something that I'm really, um, I feel like I've come to terms with pretty, pretty close to coming to terms with, um, True. that if God chooses not to heal me, like, what am I going to do with my life? Like, what, what can I still do for him? And like, what is he going to ask me to do? And that like, I, yeah, that it's still important, whatever it is he asked me to do, it might not be the story that I really want to tell. <laughs> like that prideful part of me, like really wants to tell, um, of like, yeah, the underdog and like this great, you know, success story. Um, but that like every day is still a success for me. And like definitely telling the story of just like, yeah, even if I don't ever reach this like pinnacle of like healing and um, even if God doesn't choose to deliver me completely, like he's still delivered me from so much. He still protects me from so much. He Mm -hmm. still gets me through so much and that I can't uh, trivialize that because it's not this like beautiful, perfect, um, complete uh, recovery. And so I would say that um, it has like, I, I, yeah, I think that it has a lot of connection to, to what I went through as a kid dealing with that anger and dealing with that, like not understanding is like, I'm doing it again. I talk a lot in my book about uh, grieving and about re-grieving. And I talked to Josh about that, um, about how like, you know, I grieve, I go through all like all the steps and I work so hard to get through something. And then some other trigger comes up later in my life. So like I, I grieved through, you know, that I had been abused and it had really changed the trajectory of my life. It had changed my brain chemistry. It had changed all these things. And I, I really grieved through all of that. And I came to this great place of acceptance and like, you know, with my relationship with God, like it was like, everything was like going good. And then it was like, kind of like that wound had been reopened when mm. I was diagnosed with bipolar. And I was like, okay, like I'm, kind of re-grieving the idea that like this is like different than what I wanted for my life is different than what I had pictured um there's uh I was I was described by um I was described the bipolar like from a doctor like basically like teeth like teeth like genetically can be pretty weak and they can be prone to cavities and then there's also you know how you take care of them So if you both have genetically like weak teeth and you eat a bunch of junk food and all of that and you don't take proper care of them, you're going to end up with like really like damaged teeth. But like your friend who has genetically very, you know, like strong teeth, 
um, can also eat that crappy food and will still end up with significantly less damage to their teeth. And so she described it like that to me where she was like, I think that it's, you know, both things. I think that you're genetically predisposed to having bipolar. I think that you're genetically like already kind of set up for certain things. Um, she was like, but then you add trauma and that's mm. when these things will potentially like really come out. And so I really struggled with the idea of like, man, so like if I hadn't been um, traumatized as a child, like would I still have ended up bipolar? They, she told me the answer is maybe. She's like, maybe, you know? And that was like so frustrating because I wanted uh, so badly to hear either answer would have been something to deal with in a different way but hearing like a maybe was so hard like so if it was because of the trauma I could be mad about it and then if it wasn't I could be like okay well it would have happened anyway like you know this mm. is just me and so both just were like yeah to hear maybe was really hard and I really talked to God a lot about that and I talked about how like um how hard that was for me to grieve again, like that, you know, um, my brain had been changed forever and that it's, this is the way that it is now, unless God decides to heal me. And if I, I think that there's a difference of like always keeping that door open and like your heart open to that and your faith, like aware of that. And then there's holding on to it and refusing to ever move on unless he heals me. And that's what I'm learning. And that's what I'm facing is like, I can't like, I can't be like, well, like, oh man, like when God chooses to heal me, like in his timing, but he will, he'll heal me. I'm going to get my dream job and I'm going to like get married and I'm going to do this. I'm going to travel and do all these things. And until then, I'm just going to wait and I'm just going to just like wait on it. And I think that that's a really slippery slope. Like I said, it's important mm -hmm. to like keep my heart open to that. I don't want to sit here and, and proclaim that he will never heal me because um, I don't know. But um, I also don't want to hold myself back and ignore all the things that all the opportunities God has given me and all the things he's asking of me now in this moment. You know, I could have waited to write these books. I could have waited to write them until they had a really nice ending of like, wow, God, you know, healed me completely and he could do that for you too. And like, it was just really Im important to me to just, you know, kind of do it where I'm at and to share that story. And so accepting that like, that's the testimony that like I'm sharing right now in life is that when you're in the middle and like when you're in the middle of it, it's like still important to like share your story and that it can still be uh, inspiring and encouraging for other people. And um, that there's so much value in that story, just as much as a story of like this um, perfect idyllic recovery. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's where I'm at currently is I'm, I'm coming to terms with that and I'm, been thinking a lot about um, what it means to be worthy and, and all of that. And uh, yeah. I think that's really valuable to share your story when you're in the middle of the tension, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I think all of us in some way, like would prefer to just talk about the things that we have, you know, resolve with or have like nice, you know, nicely packaged uh, stories. Yeah. With. Um, I remember talking to a, a friend years ago who was struggling with um, depression and who had attempted suicide like uh, way after the point that she came to Christ and had actually, you know, shared her story even publicly um, in, in a way that uh, pretty much everyone that knew her knew, you know, like her past. Um, and then when she was struggling again, it was just like, 
yeah, I don't really know how to view this at all because uh, it's kind of like it feels like my story is in, invalidated because of my choices, you know. Um, mm. And what really came out of that was a lot of conversations um, uh, between us and just like our, our friends. Um, uh, just like that, I don't know. Like that's really difficult, but I think we can all find ourselves there at the same time, like in that tension. Um, like there's something really cool about stories that are, you know, nice and, and uh, packaged. Uh, <laughs> like they sound good, um, mm -hmm. but uh, I relate far more to like, yeah, this thing, you know, happened or this thing that I did. Like I still don't really know how to view it, um, but I do believe in God's goodness despite it. And um, one thing that uh, you mentioned a couple times um, was just like clarity. I did want to kind of kind of ask about, I guess I'm not hearing like, oh, and now I have answers of like, God was there in the midst, you know, um, but it does sound like that you have some type of just like peace. Um, so I don't know if you want to touch a little bit about, um, I don't know, just like where that transformation happened from straight up anger to like having peace. Um, and maybe that's not something that you can really put words to. Um, but yeah, how, how is kind of your perception of God, like kind of through those times shifted? Yeah. Um, honestly, like I, I did start going to, um, a youth group and I started going to church and things like that. Like pretty soon, like, I mean, like a couple months, like after I had had this whole, epiphany but um really it was just like me uh praying I, that's really what it was is like i just prayed and i just asked these questions again and again and again and i asked for peace and i was just like you know um really i just asked i really asked for peace like every day and i was like i need i need your help because like it doesn't make sense to me mm. and when i got like like i said when i received that peace it was like i saw all the times um, that God had been there for me that I hadn't given him credit for. There was so many times like me and my mom have um, an incredible relationship and she always talks about how um, she, she gives so much thanks to God for that. Um, our relationship uh, was really special to me and um, we were close, but um, I struggled with a lot of, um, anxiety as a kid, even before all of this happened. And I struggled a lot with lying. I was known for being a liar to get out of, just to get out of like um, feeling guilty about things and, and whatever, to avoid being in trouble, to avoid hurting people's feelings. I was known for being a liar. And so um, I, I know that God was at work, not only with preparing me and my mother's relationship, but um, preparing like my mother and and her heart in believing me. I, uh, my father uh, never had done anything even remotely close to um, sexually abusing anybody. So um, he was a Christian, he was uh, in the Navy, he was, to most people, he was a good man. Um, I, you know, we, we found out later that he had been like unfaithful and, and things like that, but he had never done anything that was like, as uh i mean people would say evil i mean he had never done anything so um wrong and like out of bounds as um like sexual abusing someone so it was 
honestly, like if it sounded ludicrous to even think that this man who had never shown any kind of deviant signs in any way um, would do something like that. He had never been abusive in any other way. Like there's been times where he was like, neglectful, you know, like distant, whatever, but he was still nothing, nothing like he had been um, like physically abusive in any way or, or even emotionally abusive to any extent. And so for this to come out of left field and my mother to believe me, someone who was known to be a liar, um, for us to have the relationship that she never questioned me. Um, now that I look back on it, I'm like, that's like, that was God. Like that was so much God, like in our, um, life and in our relationship. And um, there was all these other things where like my my dad pled, uh, he pled guilty. And that was very shocking for everyone because there was no evidence. Like I said, they could have easily built a case against me being a liar. I was a child, but like it, sadly it happens all the time. Yeah. Um, people get away with these things all the time. I had been molested. And so there wasn't any kind of DNA evidence. There was nothing. And like I said, he had no history he was well liked in the community. It just would have been a disaster for me. And I can't imagine where I would be mentally if I had had to testify my against my father, who I loved very much and who I was not, I was very much going through the stages of grief and I was nowhere near anger yet. I was very much still in some sort of denial bargaining stage. So like that would have just wrecked me to have to go and like uh, testify in any way. And my father uh, pled guilty and he um, said that that's what God wanted him to do. And I had never really, um, never really had that sink in quite as much as like I said, when I was 17 and, you know, it kind of hit me in that moment, like when I reflected of like all these ways that, that God had moved through the situation without, like I said, it was obviously, ideally, I would have loved for it to just not happen. I would have loved for, um, I'm, sh you know, I'm sure that, that God was, was um, trying with my father and, you know, he just didn't do, you know, what God wanted from him. Um, but like, obviously I would have loved for like some crazy situation to happen. That was like a miracle from God that would have separated my father and I enough that these things wouldn't have happened, but, but like that didn't happen. So I'm like, okay, like that doesn't mean that God wasn't there. That doesn't mean that God was um, ignoring it or like let it happen because he's like, Oh, this will make Janelle such a good person or like, Oh, like mm. Chris will have like a great testimony when he blows his life up and somehow gets it back together. Like, I don't believe that, mm -hmm. but I still believe that like he was there through it all. And he was determined to be like, wow, this dude really screwed up. Like I'm going to have to make the best out of this. Like I'm going to do what's, um, what's good for these people. And I think that, um, yeah, like now, especially as an adult, like the older I get, the more I can look back on the situation. And I see how um, my mother um, acted and so many people were against her and she just continued to do uh, what God asked of her and act in the ways that God asked her to act. And um, that was huge. It was huge to um, see at the time, but it wasn't until I was older that I realized how... Um, how much God had asked of her and how hard that must have been for her and about how much he helped her through it. He didn't just ask her to forgive and he didn't just ask her to do all of these like unimaginably like hard things um, without uh, being right there with her through it. Um, so yeah, like as, 
as I reflect, it gives me more peace when I think about how um, even in the hardest time of my life, like God was always there, even when I wasn't aware of it. And even when I was angry, um, when I was so angry, God continued to show up every day mm. and, and take care of me and do these things for me and my family. I mean, there's just countless I would, you know, I could talk for hours about all the things that he did during that time where I was pissed and I didn't give him credit. And God is so good that he did it anyway, um, even without me thanking him and without me telling people, um, wow, look at what God's doing for me. Um, he just continued to love me. And I think that that's, uh, yeah, that's love. Yeah. For um, sure. One yeah. thing that we talk about like crazy on the podcast, and you've probably heard us say it maybe in person, but just uh, our friend Hope, who lost her mom um, quite a few years ago. Um, she worded it as like, God doesn't waste bad things. Um, which uh, wow. I love that because, uh, I mean, bumper sticker theology type things that like God is in control or like yeah. everything happens for a reason. Um, drive me absolutely nuts. Um, because yeah. I mean, you can, you can look at a lot of things in those terms, but something like this, it's just kind of like, all right, then what is the reason, you know, or like, all right, then if God was in control, like where was he type? you know, type of mindset. Um, and it's like, right. ultimately, um, you know, those are, those are not things that are in the Bible. God being in control, like God being sovereign is, um, and like that sovereignty being that like nothing is without his knowledge, you know, nothing is without mm -hmm. his redemption. Um, and, uh, yeah, whenever hope, uh, brought that up to us, just like God doesn't waste bad things. It really clicked for me that like, I love that. Yeah, it really clicked for for me that just like, all right, like what things maybe have we reserved in the back of our minds, like deep in our hearts that we've maybe even had the thought of like, all right, I believe that God can use anything, but I don't know that he will or can possibly use this one thing. But really mm -hmm. just, uh, yeah, having that mindset of like, all right, um, if I believe that you are as great and good as you are, God, you know, um, maybe... It's not that it justifies the thing uh, or makes it worth it, you know, um, but more so just like speaks to his goodness that like even this is not beyond him yes. turning and using for for good. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, exactly. The idea is like that there's nothing too dark and awful and um, yeah, horrible that God can't um, find a way to to grow good from it. Um, I think, yeah, I hold that really close to me. Um, when I reflect on everything and as I continue moving forward, um, like I said, with, you know, facing the bipolar diagnosis and really kind of like coming to terms with that, like this might be permanent, like that might be my story that, you know, it never goes away and about how like God's being like, well then like we're using that, like we're going to use mm -hmm. that story. And, um, just like holding on to that, um, has brought me a lot of comfort and a lot of uh, peace of that at all. Yeah. Like, man, I, I think about uh, Joseph's story, like in the Old Testament, and the fact that, um, I mean, like, his story was like the most unsexy portrayal of God's goodness. Like, <laughs> if I'm just being real about it, like, mm -hmm. his story took place over like decades. Um, before it began to actually show a glimmer of light like there have moments where it had like ups and then just terrible downs then it was slow to build back up and then it just seemed to just get progressively worse and like as i'm like reading it is like dude joseph can't catch a break like <laughs> he's trying yeah. so hard to be faithful he's still believing that like 
God's going to do something. And he's still seeking every day to like, I'm not going to dishonor my God. Like, even though everything around me is telling me that I should, and I should just give up. Like, I'm not going to dishonor my God. Like he is going to come for me. He is going to deliver me. Mm -hmm. And like being in prison, I couldn't imagine being locked up in jail for doing the right thing and still being like, the Lord is still going to work this out. Like, I'm still going to be faithful. I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to do the thing. And like that faithfulness, like is never lost on Joseph when it comes full circle. And even for me, what the Lord speaks to me about that is like, you know, faithfulness is never wasted either. Um, anytime that we choose to trust God when life just sucks or ministry just sucks, um, that faithfulness is not lost on him. Like he will, he will bring it full circle. And once we see it, when we see the fruit of it, like our hearts can rejoice in knowing that it wasn't all in vain. Like the Lord didn't vainly suffer me for the sake of teaching me something like he's a good father. He wouldn't do that. Um, he redeems the bad but he does not vainly suffer his kids for the sake of teaching them. And like Joseph's story ended up redeeming his entire family and moving them to Egypt and helping them escape. Like one of the worst famines that ever hit the land. And Joseph didn't know any of that going into being sold as a slave. Like yeah. in the beginning, like his attitude was really jacked, but like the Lord used and redeemed all the stuff that he'd been through to perfect the character in Joseph that otherwise couldn't have happened. And like that's a redeeming grace, not like he sent it, but yeah. So uh, yeah, I did want to talk a little bit about, um, I guess, kind of what has like the redemption looked like um, with various things. I know that you talked about some things previously being like triggers that uh, have now had, um, I guess, kind of like a redeeming, like redefined quality. Um, and I would love for you to sh share a little bit about that kind of thing uh, today. Yeah, um, I I talk a lot about in the book, um, uh, like the book itself um, is so much like just like a diary that I put a binding on and gave to people. Um, I talk a lot about how um, there was all these things that used to be hard for me and like now I'm able to do, but kind of like tying back to everything we've been talking about is I make sure to also talk about how like yeah, like there's still things that I'm tackling. There's still things I'm facing. Um, I found so much redemption, but like there's more to be found and like, that's okay. And like, that's, that's good. That means that there's, um, I have, I have progress and I'm going to keep building on that. Um, so uh, there's just been so many things. I, um, one of my uh, favorite poems um, is last one in the book. And um, it, in there, I don't, I don't typically talk too much about, um, my driving anxiety, um, not on purpose, but um, I just talk about anxiety a lot as a whole and never really got specifically into that um, too much. But um, I, uh, ever since I, you know, was probably like 13, um, I was just petrified of the idea of learning how to drive, of, of driving. I, um, I have ADD and it, it makes it really, um, I find it really difficult sometimes to, um, taken a lot of, uh, stimuli at once. Um, so like driving to me was like, oh my gosh, like I am, I have to like control my body in this way. And then also like, there's so many different things coming from different angles and like lights and signs. And I have to read at the same time as make sure this person's not coming this way. And like to read these signs, it was just like so much for me. And I am a serial uh, avoider. So I, uh, avoided that. Um, I, 
struggled a lot with that. It was something that really kept me back from moving forward in my life and um, from independence and, and all these things. And um, I eventually like tackled it head on and I tried really hard to get my license. I was already, I don't remember how old I was. It was like, I think I got my license in 2014. Um, but, uh, you know, I finally went to, uh, driver's edge of the oldest person in class and I um finally um kept pushing myself I kept praying about it and I knew that like God wanted me to do it but it was yeah it was hard it was hard um and I failed the license at six times I kept getting back up now granted like not right away <laughs> but um God showed me a lot of grace about that um and I kept going and I kept trying. I just kept failing like from anxiety, I just kept having panic attacks when I'm in the middle of the, the test. So I never made it past the, uh, it starts where I live. It starts with the parallel parking. So I never, never made mm. it past parallel parking. So um, I just always kept, I mean, I just kept panicking. I kept um, wanting so badly to do it by myself, like um, mentally. And I just kept, um, avoiding asking God for help to like relieve my anxiety enough for me to be able to do, you know, do it. And, um, it wasn't until I finally did that, that, um, I passed on my seventh try. Um, nice. And, yeah. And, um, so like now, um, I talk about in, in that one poem, I talk about how, um, how, God has more plans for us and we have more chances for things to go right. And we have more time for them to get better and how we need to like, hold on to that and keep going. And that like, I promise it's worth it. Um, and I talk about how, like, um, I mentioned in the beginning of the poem, how there was a time when like, I couldn't talk to strangers. Um, and I couldn't even get behind a wheel and, um, all of these things that I couldn't do. And in the end of the poem, I, um, say like, you know, after, you know, I, I stand in a room full of strangers and I, you know, share my poetry and then I get in my car and drive home. And like, there's so much, um, history in that, that the poem like doesn't even touch on like what an, ex like an incredible, like story of redemption that is for me. Um, I don't think that, uh, I don't think that, um, anybody, but my mom, my sweet mom, who taught me how to drive and dealt with <laughs> a lot of, um, Whew, like a lot of shit for me. Um, just, <laughs> I put her through it. Like, obviously like every parent's the one, you know, the one sitting there and be like, you know, putting their foot on the imaginary brake and it's like panicking, whatever. Like my poor mother was at like times a thousand because I'm sitting in the driver's seat, screaming, like crying, <laughs> hysterical. And she stayed strong and she, uh, yeah, she finally, I'm, I'm to the point now where it's like, yeah, I mean, I never thought that I'd be able to drive to my job every day. That's incredible. And I never thought I'd be able to drive to, um, I never thought I'd be able to drive to Tina's house in Virginia. That's incredible. Um, and I'm not to the point of going much farther than that, but um, I have so much faith that like God can do anything with me. I mean, I never, like I said, the, what, the fourth time I failed that driver's test, I would, and you told me a couple years from now, like, you'll be driving um, to perform poetry in front of strangers. Um, you'll be driving two hours away to a whole nother state all by yourself. I would have been like, no, <laughs> don't. <laughs> I would have been both surprised and horrified. And um, and so that's that's the way I look at it now is like all of these things in the, in the book that I talk about in my life that you know I, I haven't shared in the book or whatever. Um, I just tell myself like, man, like if you could go back and tell 
um, me when I was 14. And I was telling my mom that if she sent me to public school, I would die. And I meant it. And I, I meant it. Um, I was homeschooled uh, all of my life, pretty much. And um, because of my anxiety. And so if you were to tell that girl who's 14, who was threatening my mother over um, having to be around my peers, if you were to tell her that, like, yeah, she has a job and she never misses a day and it's working with people like, oh my gosh, like it's not like a little office job where I do things on a computer and I don't ever have to talk to anybody. Yeah, um, yeah I would have been floored. It's like, I never would have believed it. And um, now I try not to even think like that when people are just like, you know, yeah, like, well, I'm sure someday like you should come visit me. Like you should, you know, just like drive to, to New York. Like you can do it. And I'm like, not right now, but you know what? maybe someday and I I mean it for the first time like I'm really thinking like you know what yeah maybe someday like who knows like God is crazy like uh who yeah who knows there's so much um there's so much potential I feel like and there's so much hope um and yeah I talk about that a lot in the book and um like I said it's it's not only like giving these like sweet examples of like um you know, my, my father's name was Chris and I used to hear that name and I used to just feel sad. I used to feel really sad and I used to feel anxious and, and all of these other emotions. And now like, gosh, he's, that's maybe like the 10th person I think of when I hear that name, you know, I think of, I think of the Chris that we all love. And I think of, um, shoot, I think of Chris Evans from the Marvel movies before I think of, my <laughs> I think of so many other Chris's. I think of my cousin, Christine, I think of all these other people before I get there. And like, that's incredible to me. Um, mm. Just, you know, like I said, something as small as a name like that, that used to give me these cruddy feelings, um, no longer has power over me. And something like, yeah, as big as like being able to drive to the people I want to be with and to the places I want to, you know, see like, um, is incredible. So yeah, there's, um, there's a lot of, of stories like that. But um, like I said, it's, it's, uh, it's also important to like keep that hope open that like, yeah, there's still things that, that I'm struggling with. There's still things I can't do. Um, there's still things um, that I feel are holding me back, but like to have, um, it's important for me to be honest about those things. Cause I don't mm -hmm. ever want to discourage somebody who's still struggling and then being like, Oh gosh, well, how did she do it? She's like, you know, she figured it all out and she's perfect now. And like, you know, how am I supposed to get past all these things? I, you know, I want to be sure to always tell people like, Hey, like, like, you know, like I've been saying, it's about like the progress. It's not about a final result. And, um, everybody has potential for progress. And, um, so yeah, it's important for me to always talk about like, yeah, these amazing things that I've like conquered, like, um, truly thank God, um, truly, yeah, with his health. Um, but also like, I have a lot more to do. And I no longer say that with um, sadness. I no longer say that being like, oh my gosh, but like, I still haven't, you know, done college. I still, um, I'm struggling with like this, this and this, like, and that used to really be daunting to me. And I didn't mm -hmm. used to give enough credit to like, yeah, but like, girl, you like went and tried a seventh time and you aced that test. Um, uh, I got my license in April. And I remember that because April was the last month. Um, somebody told me it was the last month that um, Maryland was going to require the um, parallel parking on the test. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so literally, I <laughs> failed parallel parking. I had never gotten to do anything else. And um, in April, I passed it. And uh, yeah, that's funny. Life is funny. God is funny. <laughs> um, 
And so, yeah, I think that there's um, there's so much, yeah, potential. There's so much. I definitely, like I said, I, I see those things with hope now. Um, that like, yeah, I have a couple more things like left to do. But like, overall, I mean, sure, there's times where I feel overwhelmed by the amount, or I feel overwhelmed by whatever it is. Like I said, I'm a avoider, but like, um, I still overall like have a lot of hope and a lot of um, hope in myself and hope in like. Like I said, the crazy things God might ask me to do. Um, who knows? Yeah. Who knows what's next? <laughs> Yo, that's, that's so cool. Like me and Josh talk about on the podcast a lot too, like the joy of being in process mm-hmm. and how like it's not, it's not what people think it is, where it's like the process, like people put the destination so much in front of the process and like there's so much work that's done in the process. And like Philippians 1, 6 says that he who began to go work will bring it to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So like, as long as, as long as you're still in a boat with the Lord and as long as you're still in process, you're moving, you know, yeah. and like that's, that's the point. Like you, you are moving, you are getting better, you are growing. And you know, that end result is going to happen inevitably, but through the process, you begin to fall in love with the character of God through, you know, those inner things being worked out. And that's something to not be ashamed of. Like that's something to definitely be proud of. I was thinking when we were uh, talking through your poems and today, just that like meeting you, um, I mean, I don't know what goes through your head when you're talking with people like in social situations, um, but like I would never guess that your story has been your story with social Seriously. anxiety. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm guessing just because I know me um, that like maybe when you're interacting with people, you feel awkward um, because <laughs> I feel like that's a common thing. Um, but like I, I, yeah, would not guess that that was part of your story. So just uh, wanted to say that in the sense of like, yeah. I think that God's taken you so stinking far. Um, and, uh, yeah. and with that, like, it's so cool that you are talking about that. I, I think that there are people that hear you perform your poetry that might have the thought of like, oh, I can never do that. And like mm-hmm. your thought is probably, yeah, me neither. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and then you do it in exactly that. It's like I want people to um, feel um, hopeful when they hear my stuff. I want them to feel, um, like I said, I don't want, I, I struggled a lot with um, as when I was younger, like I said, when I was so angry and I was so bitter and all of those things, like I struggled a lot when I heard people just speak positively and like yeah. just be like, you know, kind of like we were saying is like this cookie cutter, like bumper sticker stuff. Like it was really mm-hmm. hard for me. And so it's important to me that I don't end up like that where I'm just like all like it gets better and it's amazing and life's amazing. And oh, I'm like, I don't want to be the, that kind of motivational speaker. I want to be like life sucks. And like, yeah, it's, it's friggin' hard, but like we're doing the dang thing. And I mm-hmm. want to, um, yeah, I want to be encouraging in that way. I want people that, like you said, like, I want them to be like, um, wow. Like I, you know, I want them to also like reflect on all the things, like I said, is I didn't give myself enough credit. I didn't give God enough credit, like for all the things that I have accomplished because they're not what I consider to be like the most important. Like I, you know, am not, I still live with my mother and I'm like, and I, and I find, um, I focus on like that milestone that I haven't like, you know, gotten past um, rather than, like I said, like being like, wow, but like you have this job, you never thought that you would be able to have a job. You never thought you'd be able to like be reliable. Um, And I don't give enough credit to like all those little things. And so I want people, um, there's been a lot of times where after they've heard um, my poems, people have, you know, told me like, 
wow, like that really made me reflect on like my own life and the things that like I don't give enough credit to and like the joys in my life that I don't acknowledge and um, different things like that. And that's been really special to me to hear is that I definitely don't want people to just be, um, as much as my stuff is about me, I don't want it to be just about me. I don't want people to just hear and be like, wow, I heard about this girl who used to not be able to do this and does this now. And I've heard about, I want people to be like, you know, like, reflect on themselves and think about themselves and like what in their life do they find inspiring like what in their life um can they find that's encouraging and hopeful and like Mm -hmm. where is the joy in their life so yeah i i really um i wanted to tie back to that exactly yeah like you're saying as as i'm standing up there i mean like oh my gosh i can't believe i'm doing this and i want to, to be honest with that because um yeah, there's some times where I've had a lot of really beautiful conversations where people were just vulnerable. And I was, you know, after I had stood up there and been pretty dang vulnerable, um, it really kind of spread that energy and, and people, you know, approached me and, and um, shared that they're like, wow, I never would have known you were going through that. And I feel like um, people think that about me, they'll be like, you know, I put on a happy face, and I'm scared that like, um, if I were to be honest, like you people wouldn't accept it. And I was like, dude, like, I'm standing in front. I don't know any of you. Yeah. <laughs> and I just went for it. <laughs> and um, I just trusted, like, I know in myself, like, I love myself and I accept myself enough that I was like, all right, like, if I find, like, God willing, there's one person in this crowd that this is going to mean something to, even if it's embarrassing for me or awkward or, like I said, and not even sometimes the content um, as much as it's, like, intense and personal. It's more of just, like, I find existing to be embarrassing. So I'm like standing there (laughs) and like my voice is weird and I'm standing like what I'm doing that with my hands. Like I'm talking about like the deepest, darkest thing I've ever been through. I'm like, who cares? I'm like, my hands look weird. Like, (laughs) (laughs) um, yeah, like I always want to be encouraging in in whatever way that I can be. Um, Yeah. So um, that's been really, I talked about in the podcast about how it's been really meaningful to me. Um, God has been so good to me about, um, pushing other people to come and talk to me after um, I put it all out there. And after I did this poetry thing and I, I go to sit down and I'm like, I'm done with this. I don't care what God says. I'm done. It was embarrassing. I'm freaking over it. And I'm sitting here like thinking all these thoughts and somebody comes up to me and like really like pours encouragement into me and was just like, wow, I've never heard anybody be honest about that subject or like, wow, like that really made me think about like me and my, you know, relationship with my friends and what I can, can do to ask them you know, to help them love me better, like, and, and all of these different things. And I'm like, oh, dang, I guess I'll do it again. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I've been so encouraged by by other people. And, you know, I'm working so hard on letting God be enough. Um, I won't lie about that. Like, I, I know that God's asked me to do these things. And he's like, you're, you're doing this, you're sharing these poems, and it matters. And it's important. And it's what I'm asking you to do. And I'm just like, okay, but like, prove it, like, prove it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> please, please, pretty please. And God's been so good to me and been so, so gracious with me about always having people come and like, encourage me. Um, and like I said, I'm, I'm working hard on just like doing it because God's like, I promise it matters to someone. And I'm like, if I think back on, like I said, all those years that I was angry, when I reached that point of, of acceptance, I was like, wow, like I remembered all those people that I heard um, saying the same kind of stuff that I'm saying now. And I was like, and it really hit me then. And I'm like, I didn't walk up to any of those people, all those, gosh, all those people who laid hands on me and prayed for me. And I just scowled at them. I did Hmm. not like, I wish 
you know, I wish that they could all know, like, you know, I eventually heard them. I eventually accepted the things that they said. And I, you know, I heard them as truth. And um, so I, I remind myself of that. It's like, there's so many times people said stuff that I carry with me to this day. And I did not have it in me to be like, thank you. That's the most important thing anyone's ever said to me. And like, I didn't sit there and reward them with um, this like word of encouragement. Um, I just was, you know, whatever I was going through it. And um, yeah, so I remind myself that of that now is that like, um, someday there's gonna be a show where nobody comes up and says anything. And I'm gonna just be like, thank you God for, for letting me do this anyway. And like, mm -hmm. yeah. I'll, I'll get there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. So that can be the tough thing is just like, yeah, having those moments where you're like, uh, maybe that was just like a planting seed. Yeah. Uh, performance or just, you know, tossing it out there, being honest for the sake of like being real and, uh, and hoping that it, you know, that people carry it with them. Um, yeah. Well, cool. Thanks Janelle. Um, thank you for sharing your story, um, here and, uh, on the Holleran poets. Um, I'm really excited about putting the, that season out. Um, just a lot of the yeah. conversations were, um, I don't know. I, I'm just trusting that they're going to connect with people, uh, whether you hear from them or not. Um, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm stoked to hear all of them because, uh, you know, normally Josh gives me the hookup and I get like first dibs at listening before to post it. So I'm hoping that that happens pretty soon. You know, nudge, nudge, <laughs> wink, wink. But, yeah. you know, hey, who knows? Who we knows? Make right? that happen. Who knows? Yeah sick <laughs> cool yes. so janelle um <laughs> where can people uh hear your poetry um and connect with you um further um so i have the album on Bandcamp for free um it'll always be free um uh so that's janelle marie.bandcamp.com and then um i have uh the books the books have um more content than the album there's essays and there's, um, I mean, there's probably at least 20 more poems in the, in the book. And so, uh, the Valley is not your home is available on amazon.com. And, um, my first book to whom it may concern is also available on there. Um, and people can connect with me. I would love that. Um, on Facebook would be easiest. Um, and, uh, my name is Janelle Marie on there. Uh, Marie is spelled with two E's M A R E E. My parents thought that that would make it unique and fun, but it just means people misspell it all the time. <laughs> you can't find me anywhere. So, um, yeah, so uh, Janelle Marie. Yeah. Janelle, thanks so much. You're awesome in, like, every way. And it's really cool, like, what Josh was saying. Like, I would have never known any of that stuff about your story. Like, you're, you you seem to be such a natural in front of people, but, like, the way you explain it clearly is, like, is the Lord's work in it. So, like, yo, mm -hmm. keep stay the course. Like, you're doing great. Like, God's doing the things tight. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me on here. Yeah. I really appreciate it. I was terribly nervous, but I was like, man, like I really, I would really love to be a part of this. I love what you guys do with the podcast. And um, I think it's really special. And I think that, uh, yeah, I'm really, I'm honored that you guys asked me. So yeah, I'm, I'm super happy. Thank you. For sure. Cool. All right. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye. Later. Calvin. Hey, bro. Uh, yeah, I'll have to send you the send you the files of the Holleran poets. Um, it's probably <laughs> the like, yeah, it's probably like two or three hours long in total. 
um, basically like uh, I would say each of the things that we talked about today and a bunch of other things we talk about in great detail. Um, so yeah, so sick and just like really real, really raw. Um, and we end every episode with the actual poem, um, the audio of the poem, uh, just mostly because we chose, well, Janelle chose 10 of the 24 poems on the album um, to highlight. Um, that way people had them like right, right at the, uh, at their fingertips to listen to after we talked about them. But, nice. Yo, I'm like super excited to like really get a chance to like delve in and listen to it with like the backstory. Like one of the things that I really, really enjoyed about, um, you know, Levi did the whole correspondence thing and he yeah. did the correspondence, a commentary, like kind of delving into each track like yeah. i love the fact that that's a thing we can kind of get like the back heart and the backstory behind each poem and what it means and it ties so much meaning into it like mm -hmm. i'm super stoked to hear like all the stuff that janelle's been through and also like all the things that god's been showing her through it mm -hmm. yeah not to treat this uh conversation um as a as a commercial for holler and poets but it kind of is i guess in a way i don't know um we just thought we'd coincide the uh the release of this episode telling Janelle's story with the release of the first episode of Holler and Poets. Um, just thought it made sense. Um, so you can find that at anchor.fm slash Holler and Poets. Um, this will be season three, the one with Janelle. Mm -hmm. And uh, season four will come out September 1st with uh, Micah Kimber, Mustache Poetry. Hey. Yeah, I'm really excited about that one too. Um, but yeah, it's, that's been a really fun project. I'm excited to see where it goes. And, um, yeah, so we'll be back next week with uh, a conversation with Erica Harris. Um, she's a friend that I met out in San Francisco. Um, and, uh, yeah, she shares her story of, um, dealing with, I mean, she had a crazy rough upbringing, really like very little family support. Um, but God just, uh, yeah, uh, showed up in her life, um, at a point in time that she, um, it's just changed the tra trajectory of her life. Um, and she's overcome a lot of, just a lot of uh, odds kind of stacked up against her. Um, so excited to share her story. And then uh, after hers, we are taking a break, but we're still going to be re-releasing old episodes that uh, meant a whole lot to me and Calvin and that have stuck with us. Um, so we're going to do that for a period of time. I'm not sure how long, uh, but we're going to, talk a little bit about the difference that those episodes have made to us personally, um, and then follow those conversations with the uh, conversations themselves. Um, mm. So doing that to give myself some time to work on um, a project that uh, I've had on the mind for a very long time um, that I'm uh, just deciding to do now. Yeah, I'm excited to see what that becomes, but uh, yeah, do the thing. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to see what else we're up to, uh, to listen to past episodes, you can head over to LetGodDie.com. And if you want to check out the extended cut of this episode, search Let God Die on YouTube. If you'd like to help us continue doing what we do, you can head over to LetGodDie.com and click on the support tab. Any contribution would be much appreciated. Thank you so much for your time, and we will see you next week.